0: Hi, and welcome to the Journalism Salute. I'm Mark Simon. In each episode, we'll talk to or about an interesting person or organization related to journalism. The intent is to show that journalists are not the enemy of the people. Thank you for listening. On this episode, we're joined by Luella Brin. Luella is the editor-in-chief at Four Points Press, an independent media company which covers the Crow Indian Reservation in southern Montana. She is Apsaloka. Luella also teaches high school journalism and has taught college in the past, too. She was the primary narrator in the new Showtime docuseries Murder in Bighorn. Hi, thanks for joining us.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: I want to talk about the docuseries, but I want to talk about you as well. And I want to start with your journalism
1: origin story. Can you tell me about it? I started writing for the high school paper at Hardin High School in the 90s. I got into a car accident and they wanted me to write about my experience in the car accident. So I wrote a little kind of first person narrative about the car accident. And the minute I saw my byline, I was hooked. So the next year I took journalism class. And then my senior year I took journalism class. And then I edited for the student paper. And Still planned on going into teaching, but I ended up winning an essay contest at the University of Montana where I wrote an essay for myself and my best friend as part of a student trip that we took. And after I graduated, I was working at the local county paper as a front desk receptionist and a man named Dennis McAuliffe came to award me my prize for winning this essay contest and he just so happened to be the native journalist in residence at the university of montana journalism school and essentially it was a recruiting trip he said that because you know he was the the lead judge on this essay contest he thought i would make a good writer but because of the, the content and stuff he thought it would be a good fit for journalism school and they, they said they had a hard time writing or judging first and second place. And I said, well, that's really interesting because I wrote the second place essay for my friend because she didn't want to write it, but she wanted to go on the trip. So he ended up giving me the prize for first place and second place. Can you explain to us where you grew up? I grew up in the Crow Indian reservation and like south, South central, Southern Eastern, Southeastern Montana. It's a really small community rural everybody knows everybody everybody's related to everybody we're all up in each other's business we're mostly it's just it's just you know kind of small-town america we just happen to be native american
0: now i was just gonna say was there anything in your upbringing or heritage that lent itself to telling stories
1: oh definitely i mean our whole culture is based on the you know the oral traditional storytelling And I grew up believing that really journalism is kind of the natural evolution of Native storytelling, because especially in in the, the Crow way, if you're going to earn honors as a warrior, your story has to be truthful and there has to be witnesses to your story. Which just like journalism, your story has to be truthful, there has to be witnesses, there has to be attribution, there has to be other voices in, in that story. So, like I was saying, the, the natural evolution of, of what we did as Crow people when we told stories really lends itself well to, to journalism. Because there has to be, there's accountability in, in the storytelling and there's there's witnesses in the storytelling. There's, there's loyalty to truth in the storytelling.
0: And there's a through, through line, essentially, that I guess takes us from your earliest days and then through the University of Montana. And then you've had a, a fair number of jobs after you got out of school. And I'm curious which ones shaped you the most in terms of who you are.
1: Gosh, I don't, I've had several, several different lives as a student i had several internships at newspapers and those really solidified my desire to be a journalist and then once i became a professional i lost my job fairly quickly to the economy after about two two and a half years in the business i got laid off and ended up working as a media consultant for the Crow tribe and taught legislators, tribal legislators, how to communicate with the media, taught them how to write press releases, taught them media awareness, gave them contact lists of who to contact when certain, they had certain news stories that they wanted to promote, and thought maybe that, that kind of work was, you know, productive. And so I thought about finishing my master's degree in public relations. And so when I went back to school to finish that degree, it just didn't seem like the right fit. With the work that I did as an intern for the tribe, and the the program that i was in it just they didn't feel like the same type of work so i ended up taking a job at little Bitcoin college which is our tribal college and i taught writing classes so i was actually there for five years teaching writing and public speaking human relations and a lot of developmental classes so developmental reading developmental writing And had a really great time, but teaching five classes a semester is rough. (laughs) So, and I had about half the student body in my courses, because all my courses were required classes. So I had anywhere from, you know, 80 to 125 students every semester. And that got pretty pretty difficult pretty quickly so after about five years I decided to move on to a different position and I worked as a outreach coordinator for St. Lébre Indian School so I wasn't in the school I was in the youth and family services department where I got to work with the community where I taught job skills to people I ran the food bank I did community activities like community cleanups and did the bike safety rodeo and so all of these careers offered me do and amazing experiences with the community with the crow community and the northern cheyenne community and got to meet so many people and i think the the biggest benefit of having these different careers was the people because now in my work as a journalist i have this huge network of people that i can choose from if I need to write a story, I'm, I, I've never at a loss for people. I, I always have the right person that I can go to because of my work in the community. And it's never a, a surface level relationship. It's always through some other work that I've done, something substantial that I've done, that I know people. And I can call on them and say, hey, I'm working on a story about this. Do you want to comment or do you know anyone who can comment on it? And because we've built an actual relationship, they're more likely to help me or to comment on a story than if it was just a service rubble relationship.
0: And that takes us to now and Four Points Press. On your website, it says the mission is that this company will also will provide important educational news stories about Indian country that inform and entertain, as well as literary and audio-video works that lift Native voices and reflect the Indigenous experience in an authentic way. What more would you like to say about the mission of that of Four Points?
1: It's going to take a few years to completely accomplish our mission, but it's, I mean, everything's already happening quicker than I thought it would. So I have no doubt that we're going to actually accomplish everything we want to accomplish in our mission. How did it start? I was incredibly frustrated with the position I was in at our local county paper. There, I, I I got a lot of pushback from covering the reservations, Crow and Northern Cheyenne reservations. They wanted me to cover more of the county and 60... I maybe even more than 60% of the county is on the Crow or the Cheyenne Reservation. And they kept telling me, my bosses kept telling me, I'm covering too much reservation rules. You need to cover Hardin more. And nothing really happened and was happening in Hardin because there was COVID shutdowns and It's just, it's a small town and not a lot happens there. And the the reservations are, you know, much larger communities, but, you know, just more things happen because they're larger communities. And I really just got tired of putting in 60 hours a week for an organization that was basically telling me, don't cover Indian discover cover the white people. When a large portion of our subscribers are native, a large portion of our readership was native, a large portion of our community is native. And I think that a newspaper should reflect the community. We were, we weren't sacrificing the news of the town of Hardin by any means and I just was done with it there's a meme where the guy throws his papers up in the air (laughs) and (laughs) he's like I'm out of here that was essentially me I kind of threw my stuff in the air and I was like I'm done and that was a little more than a year ago right yeah that was about 15 months ago November 20. December I can't even do math October 2021 I made sure my team had everything in place for the edition for that week and then but I sent an email in that said at the end of the day I'm done and that the team was set up for the rest of the week all the pages are ready to go gave them the budget for what went on what pages and left with a happy heart. I didn't feel that about it at all. And that was on a Monday, and by Saturday I bought my domain name, and within two weeks I had published, had built a website and published my first story on fourpointspress.com. So some of the pieces on your website, this was as of a week ago, include
0: a look at the history between the Crow and Lakota, a story about legislation connected to an Indigenous People's Day, a commentary about how the West is being exploited by house builders who just kind of want to be seen. I'm curious, how do story ideas on your site go from initial idea to finished product? We
1: have our staff meeting every Monday, and my two reporters, whatever they want to write about, as long as it's connected to the core community, they I kind of give them free reign as long as it's not absolutely ridiculous so Nicholas he likes to cover very like newsy contemporary what's going on traditional stuff so right now he's out covering a story about a family who had the their son was murdered and so now the family to memorialize him he happened to be a a long haul trucker, so the family to memorialize him. They're serving a meal from three to six today to people at the truck stop, the truckers at the truck stop. So he's covering that today. Whereas Rusty, he likes to do a lot of history stuff. He likes he wants people to know the history of the community. So he proposed the idea of visit of the Crow the Sioux when they came to Crow Country, so that's going to be, that's a four-part series I'm working on part three today, and then he has two two more ideas for series, historical series, and so every once in a while I have to raid him in and be like, okay, you could do another series, but you got to do something contemporary now too. So, <laughs> so what's a day in the life like for you? Well, I teach journalism and media at Lodge press High School. So I go to Large press. try to get there on time. Getting places on time is really difficult for me. So try to get there on time. Teach my four classes. I have yearbook class. I have audio visual production class, journalism class, and photojournalism class. Then I drive, I think it's 20 miles back into Crow Agency. And so that like on Mondays, you would have our staff meeting at one. And so I drive back to Crow Agency. We have our staff meeting. We talk about all the stories that they want to do for the week. And then I put them in a prior, give them the priority order. And this is what you need to work on first, second, third. And this is what you can hold for next week. And since we don't have... I, Rusty and Nicholas both worked with me at the Bickhorn County News. And so they're used to having a weekly deadline. So I have to constantly remind them we're not weekly. I need something every few days. So I would, when I give them their, the order of what I need, I'm like, okay, this one I need tomorrow this one i need on friday this is what i need on next monday and uh we do have office an office we're looking for a new office space though because our office is so tiny we can all barely sit in it <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's just growing pain It's nice it's good to have growing pain absolutely but it's it's interesting because I've never, I've never, I was I was the boss at the county paper, but I had bosses I had to be, so really I was like middle management. But here, Four Points Media, Four Points dot com, I'm, I'm the boss. I have my board because we're a nonprofit, but they don't really get involved with press like content. They're mostly policy and procedure. Sometimes I'm like, who do I turn to <laughs> if I have a question about is this a good story? Like, I really have to trust my news judgment, and if I don't trust my news judgment, I have to call on someone. I have friends in the industry, or friends in tribal news. I'll I'll call on them and be like, okay, here's that. Here's here's an idea. Is just a good story? Because I have no idea most of the time they are good stories i just i'm second guessing myself to say, this is something that i've never done before i've never gotten to do before so it's it's wonderful but it's scary and new for sure
0: we had one journalist interviewed recently who described herself as quote a misfit on your twitter you describe yourself as indigenous badass and I'm curious what does what does that mean in terms of how you approach
1: journalism? Uh, <laughs> yeah, indigenous badass. It just means it just it's just the how I feel, you know, a lot of times as native people we're overlooked or we're not we're seen as static black and white images in museums or in history books. And that's that's just kind of my way of saying yeah i'm here i'm i'm alive and i do great things and i think that in the grand scheme of native journalism there's not a lot of independent native journalism there's a lot of tribally owned news which, you know, is a great place to start. Travel on news is a great place to start, because it's better than not having anything at all. But for me, I wanted to produce independent of anything. I wanted an organization that stood on its own so we're not controlled by the tribe and we're not controlled by really anything we would we're not going to be controlled by advertisers as well once we get our advertisers in and kind of our our rally call is free press free people and we as as a tribal community, as a as a tribal government, we have a bill of rights in our constitution that guarantees us free press. It's never been challenged though. So this is my way of saying, okay, you guys are giving us a free press. I'm gonna challenge that. I'm gonna I'm gonna start up a free press. And I'm gonna see how far I can push it. You talked about
0: Native Americans being overlooked, and that kind of segues right into the docu-series Murder in Bighorn that was on that's on Showtime. That can be a scene streaming, or Showtime, I suppose, on demand. It takes both a micro and macro look at a frightening issue, which is teenage girls from Native reservations in Montana going missing and dying. This is in Bighorn County. The documentary largely focuses on three, but there are dozens. The macro part of the story connects it to colonization. And there are so many things in what happens within the, the story that just don't make sense. Bodies showing up in fields on federal land rather than native land, which is an important distinction as it turns out. They turn up in strange ways. The autopsies always say hypothermia. There are conflicts of interest in law enforcement. One of the missing girl's father had been accused of sexual abuse and he's the undersheriff. A lot of things, quite frankly, are ripe for a documentary. And I'm curious what reporting you've done on these cases as you were featured prominently in it.
1: Yeah, I, when I got my job at the county paper, the Henny Scott case has had been in the news and it was just now getting to the point of a um, determination of how she died. So... We didn't do much reporting on her case, but I followed her case really closely. And with the, we followed and reported on this, the the Kiera South Pretty Places case and the Selena Natterer case very closely in the news in my county paper, and I'm still following all three cases. I wasn't in the, I wasn't in the industry during the Shakaya Harding case. But as a community we fo- we follow these cases anyway because they affect everything that we do. They affect how we parent our kids. They affect how we react. They 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 really detraumatize and re-traumatize us. And it's one of those things that is incredibly difficult to articulate and I think that the documentary can serve as a way for, it can serve as a way to help our community articulate the difficult emotions that came from that time period. That people don't have the words for. And it can help them. By validating what they were feeling. Because a lot of times. When we talk about these things. We're invalidated. Oh like you know. If if you watch the documentary. You see a former undersheriff. Say that MMIP doesn't exist. That's the sentiment. In a lot of the surrounding communities but throughout the rest of the documentary you see very real examples of this existing, and for a national audience to see what we went through that validates our trauma it validates our grief and i think that once those feelings become valid, I think that's when healing can start in our community. How do you? How did you get some of the people that you talked to, and
0: I suppose the people that talked to Showtime, the, to the production crew, how did you get them to open
1: up and trust you? I think that, you know, credit to Showtime, they had a Native co-director, Native producers, and that's, you know, one of the first times I've ever seen that. A lot of times, companies will have assistants that are native, but not producers and directors that are native. And to have someone involved like like me as as you know the the on site journalist, who's a native, who's a local, that adds to a level of trust, and already knowing these families and already they already had talked to me before i think that that helped add to the trust but yeah having people literally having people who grew up on the reservation in positions of power like as a director as producers that was huge that you don't see that and so to have to have that on a on a showtime project, it it changed the game. What's next in terms of the coverage of the of those? We have a grant from the International Women's Media Fund. They have a MMIW grant that we got and then the Potlatch Fund gave us a grant. For operating costs so we're going to use those two $5,000 grants to cover murdered and missing indigenous people and the way we're gonna present these cases is gonna be a little bit different than the way we see it in the news because the way we see MMIP stories in the news can be re-traumatizing because the story of the person who goes missing or is murdered and then the story of their case are all intermingled together. And that can be re-triggering because we don't have any control over what we're ingesting when we're reading those stories. So what we're going to do at Four Points Press is create really nice biographies that rehumanize. The person who has been gone so long that they've become statistics so talk to family members talk to friends and create biographies of these people run a nice photo with it and then let that sit on the website for a week or two before we present a case study of their criminal investigation either missing persons investigation and then Throughout the case study, they'll be presented in kind of shorter snippets or vignettes with some sub-headlines. Some that way, a person can read it. If they become re-triggered, they can walk away from it. They'll have some agency in how they're consuming that. And when they come back to it, they have the sub-headlines to guide them back to the area where they were reading Sounds uh,
0: very people-centric, which is something that I wind up talking to people a lot about here, centering the the people in the story, rather than necessarily the the tragedy that happened to them. I want to switch gears just slightly here, so you know I have three questions left. What are your journalism classes like? If I'm a student and I come to you with a question, whether it's basic or something more intense, what kind of help do you provide?
1: Oh, my journal- journalism classes are very laid back. They're very, it's really difficult to teach high schoolers because they're really intense and they're very emotional creatures. So, oftentimes we're talking on tangents about other stuff, and the previous teacher he was winging it the whole time so I don't really have a curriculum so since he winged it I have to wing it and I got a book that has uses a lot of like comic comic strips in it to catch their attention and then it has really short snappy language in it so the lessons are incredibly short and quick hit and then the the writing part is probably the most difficult part for me to teach because attention spans thanks to things like tiktok are <laughs> so short and i have adhd and my attention span is really short but these kids have me beat <laughs> <laughs> but you use tiktok yeah and i i'm on tiktok too so i'm just like zipping through but these kids their attention spans are so short it's really difficult to keep their attention but well you use tiktok to teach we did i tried to i tried to get them to make tiktok video introducing themselves and they were they were so scared to do it so (laughs) we're gonna work on that gotcha where would you like four points press to be a year from now a year from now i'd like us to have more funding we're working on looking for funders i'd like to expand our podcast network and i would like us to have more regular content on our website definitely have regular days of the week like Wednesday, monday wednesday friday when we have content every day rather than kind of here and there so i'd just like us to be more regular definitely and have more to offer on our podcast network and hopefully by by the end of next year by the end of this year or early next year we'll have our first edition of our mmip project done and we'll have 12 biographies and case studies done that we can present in a in a book because what we want to do is get those 12 stories done put them in a book and sell that book which could help fund the next year's project. Gotcha. And
0: for now you're, you're supported by organizations like the tiny news Collective.
1: Yes, we have a Reynolds journalism news founder grant for a hundred thousand dollars and the women's media foundation, women's international media foundation grant for 5,000 potlatch foundation. And then we're part of the tiny news collective. The show is called The Journalism
0: Salute. We salute your good work and I ask that you do likewise. This episode is going to air right around the start of Women's History Month. Is there a female journalist in history that you would like to
1: salute for what she's done? I would love to salute Hattie Kaufman. One of the journalists that really got me thinking about journalism as a career was Hattie Kaufman. She was the first Native American on broadcast news. And once I knew that, once I realized that, it was like I I was I could I started to consider journalism as a career because there was another native out there who was doing it. Who could do it, who didn't see any boundaries. And if she didn't see any boundaries, then I didn't have to see any boundaries.
0: Sounds like a good note to end on and a good person to salute. Luella Brin, thank you for taking the time to join us. Best of luck and Keep us posted on how your news organization is doing.
1: Thank you so much. You have a great week.
0: Four Points Press is an independent media company which covers the Crow Indian Reservation in southern Montana. They are dedicated to giving the voice back to the people of the region and getting the story right. The mission of Four Points Media Incorporated is to work independently and in collaboration with the community to enrich the minds, spirits, and lives of those in Indian Country by producing meaningful stories. For more information, go to their website, fourpointpress.com. F-O-U-R presscom Thank you for listening to the Journalism Salute. Please let us know what you think of the show. You can find us on Twitter at JournalismPod, and you can email us at journalismsalute@gmail.com. at gmail.com.